Welcome back to One More We All Go. I'm Frank. I'm Brad. And I'm Eagle Feather. Eagle Feather, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. So this is the first time we've had a guest that Brad doesn't really know. That One of the first, yes. One of the first. I feel I'm a little nervous getting to know you like Frank already knows you. You can pull your mic back. It's a little far away from you. You can get back where you're comfortable. Get comfortable. There you go. So, yeah, get real comfortable. Whoa. We you are have to take it. your pants off. <laughs> <laughs> you said comfortable. I'm <laughs> now it's a party. myself at home. <laughs> so, uh, and, and to be honest, I don't know Eagle Feather all that well, but uh, we were in a, an organization called Toastmasters International uh, together, and he kind of blew onto the scene in this uh, triumphant rush. And, uh, uh, very, very good at public speaking. I'm looking forward to it. I've heard a lot about you. Frank speaks very highly. So, so I'm looking forward to getting to know you here tonight. So we always start <laughs> off with uh, right, at the, right at the very beginning. So tell us a little bit about uh, Eagle Feather and how you grew up. Well, I grew up on the north side of Omaha, Nebraska, of course, in that environment. Went through the hustle and bustles of daily life. Grew up in the wrong environment. Hung around the wrong people. Got myself into a little bit of trouble. And um, end up spending a little time in prison. From, yeah, it's a little understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went in when I was 18 and didn't get out till I was 37. So, yeah, that's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, can, can I ask what what was it that I mean? What warrants 17 years in in jail? Armed robberies. I don't feel like that's you didn't hurt anybody, did you? Multiples. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to when it comes to the law, this is and this is where it gets complicated. Is um. When they want you, they're going to get you. And so what they do, they'll pile on a whole bunch of time. And then slowly they start either dismissing or things slowly start um, falling away. And when they want you, they're going to find a way to get you. Rather, because when I was originally charged, I was charged with things that I was already in the juvenile penitentiary in Brush, Colorado. So I was two states away, and they was trying to pin stuff on me. And, oh, wow. and the sad part is, is that after I was found guilty on the first one, they was like, well, he's going to be gone for 21 years. We, You know what I'm saying? We're pretty satisfied with that. So stuff like the offensive weapon and other, the other stuff started falling off. It's just it's a hot mess. When they want you, they, they'll get it, you. So they'll pile on enough, and they'll get what they need and throw mm-hmm. the rest away. Basically. Okay. So And then they, can, they have the choice to either do it consecutive sentence or concurrent sentence, They right? can. They can. And it's usually up to them. But at that time, I'm thinking they wanted to prove a point, and they used me to do so. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So then I got to ask, because you came out 17 years. You went in when you are 18. You're roughly, yeah, what are you, 42? I'm 43. 43. So Just roughly Brad age. Yep. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday. And um, <laughs> so you're roughly Brad and I's age, almost exactly Brad and I's age. So can you imagine going in somewhere at 18, not being able to experience life and then coming out at 37? It would, you missed a lot growing up. Yeah, it sucks. But hold on. <laughs> we we kind of, we skipped way ahead though. We got to start your childhood because you mentioned about growing up in Omaha. Then you said something in Rush, Colorado. You had some trouble out there. So what about those, uh, your, oh, your childhood a, from five to 15? I was a screw up. My, um, whoo, this is about to get deep. Okay. My mother had an affair with my father. Okay. My father was, I think, 27 years older than my mother. So my mother was 16, 17 when she met him and she ended up getting pregnant with me. And so they moved my mom when she was pregnant with me into his house with his wife and his kids. So interesting. So starting off, it was real rough. You know, I love my mama and 
I'm I don't want to say anything bad about her because she's a good grandma now. Like she's a yep. she's a real good grandma. But at that time, she wasn't ready for kids. You know. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time just just basically getting beat up by everybody. And so the first time I stuck up for myself. It was it was happened to be against a girl because her and her brother used to torture me. And then one day I was trying to go up the slides and she wouldn't let me up. And then I finally had enough and I pushed her down and she started crying. And so her brother came and he was running full speed and I was already scared of him. And I basically just stuck my fist out and he ran into it and he fell down, started crying. I just felt like Rocky. I was like, yeah. Right. And then from that day forward. All you did was stiff arm him. That's it. <laughs> he ran straight into it. And from that day forward, I, I, um, I just, the, the pendulum just swung to the other side. So I went from getting beat up by everybody. You to liked how being, that felt being the tough I guy. I loved how it felt. So from that day forward, I was like, I'm, I'm always fight back. How and old were you at this point? I was seven. Oh, pretty young. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the first seven years of my life, I just remember being scared. And then from there, it's just, I was like, I'm not going to be frightened anymore. And I just started fighting everybody. And I used to get beat up a lot, but I used to just go at it full force. And I end up doing that in school. Now, at the age of uh, eight, I was taken out of home because of child abuse, uh, child endangerment, abandonment, stuff like that, right? So I was put in the system. And I was in a group home at the age eight in Bellevue. Now, in Bellevue back then, there was, I was the only person of color in the whole school. So, everybody, including the teachers, made sure they knew I was different, you know? Yeah. And then one day I just had enough and I just, I just went berserk and ended up uh, hurting the teacher. So, by this time I'm age eight, so they could kick me out of all public schools and I went to a school called Alpha. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's an alternative school. Back then, Alpha was designed to hold the worst of the worst kids and it's usually like a six seven month program you work through the levels one two three four and it usually take people about eight months maybe a year to graduate i was there for eight years so if that tells you how screwed up as a, as a kid i was yep. i mean i was screwed up so i ended up going from farsa home to farsa home group home to group home mental institutions then i graduated to, um to the youth detention center, then juvenile penitentiaries. And finally I was in Brush, Colorado. Now Brush, Colorado, a uh, high place rebound center was a juvenile penitentiary because I had already been through the, the gambit here in uh, Omaha. Kearney, Geneva, Nova, ATF. That was all stemming from that one incident with the teacher getting into Oh no, no, I was constantly in and out okay. of trouble. I was a hard headed kid. So um, finally they was like, well, we have no place to put you. But there's a juvenile penitentiary in Brush, Colorado. Now, when they shipped me out there, I was supposed to stay there until I was 21. I turned 18 out there. Now, in Nebraska, when you turn 18, you're considered an adult. Out in Colorado, it's 21. So I was supposed to stay out there until I was 21, then get shipped back. But Brush got shut down because of drugs. Uh, the guards are having sex with the inmates. Uh, there was a suicide. So this place ended up getting shut down. So they shipped me back to Omaha. And then they was like, well, you're 18. There's nothing we could do. And so they just pushed me out back in the society. I had no job, had no education. I had no money. I had once changed of clothes. And they was like, well, if you screw up, you just... Because they hadn't taught you any life skills or job I had skills no or anything in there. Yeah. No job skills. I had nothing. I was just existing. And I I know this may sound weird, but getting sent to prison saved me. 
without a doubt. It yep. saved me. So I end up, uh, I think I was free for like five and a half months before I caught this charge and ended up doing 18 and a half. I mean, I don't know what else to say then. So there wasn't a lot Damn. of football and sports and stuff in yeah. your childhood. You weren't no. out <laughs> riding bikes and uh, playing on the street and anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, NBA, like, whenever normal, I went. Normal kid stuff. No, I was in and out of mental hospitals, St. Joe's, Richard Young, Patrick Kelly. So, I've been through all of them. So the other charges, I mean, so you say the one, the first incident getting locked up was uh, assaulting a teacher. What no, about, that was at age eight. At age eight. That's what got me kicked out of all public schools. Okay. So I had to go to Alpha. But since then, I had other things like um, assaults, uh, minor possession, carrying a concealed weapon, stuff like that. Just and then since stuff. you'd already probably had some trouble and everything was just compounded, well, since you've already done this, you can get in yeah. more trouble for doing that. It's just big chain reaction. Yeah. I just, yeah. I was hard-headed. Super yeah. hard-headed. But I think, like I said, I know this sounds super weird, but prison absolutely saved me. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's talk about that. You got sent to Fort Madison. No, first I was sent to Fort Dodge. Oh. Now, when I was in That's Fort— That's even shittier. The town, that whole town can suck my <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have to put you in jail. Just, just go yeah. to Fort Dodge just and live. Just go to Fort Dodge for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in that prison. When I was uh, sent there, I had already turned 19 by the time I got there. So— um. I was 19 years old. I still had that gang member mentality. I knew I was going to spend the next 20 years in prison. So I just looked for any excuse to fight. Just any, just, just didn't matter what it was. And then um, <laughs> I ended up getting jumped by three dudes when I was in Fort Dodge. Now, uh, one of them had hit me in the back with a chair. Even though he hit me first, I took the chair from him and I just went to town. And I ended up split one of the dudes head open so that's why those three people stayed there and they shipped me to fort madison they was like well we got a place for you you want to act big and tough and i was like i'm gonna be big and tough no matter where i go that wasn't the case yeah <laughs> i got to I fort madison yeah for real i got to fort madison i was like man they you're, went you're 19 yeah i was 19 when i got shipped to fort madison yes 19 and bulletproof I, no, I thought it was. Right. My first day, my first, uh, okay, of course, when you go to um, another prison, you have to go through uh, administration segregation. So you got to work your way to the general population. And so I had went through uh, ASAC 8, then ASAC 9, then I was released to uh, a lower yard. Then my first day in, in gym pop, it was so weird because everything there is segregated according to race and so they told us where we sit the natives you know man like we sit back there I was, okay i'll be back there the inmates told you where you should sit mm -hmm. okay yeah, not the guards the guards i was gonna say is they can't the jail the the, the guards mm. can't be like okay white people you're over so, here no they <laughs> Mexicans over in the back. you gotta forgive my ignorance but i mean it's almost a little bit like american history x where the different groups hang out with the like yeah. kind of groups yeah exactly okay so um when i got there and I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the table and I'm trying to eat. Now, this is my first day in gym pop. So this dude kept staring at me and I had no clue why. And I didn't want no problems because it's the first day on the yard. And then finally I was like, can I cuss here? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, finally I'm like, dude, what the fuck is you looking at? And he went, Rah! And it freaked me out. He stood up and he put out a, a stinger and he reached across the table. And, you know, I tried to put my hand up and he got me and he was just, ah, 
And he, man, I'm running around the table. I'm screaming. You well, have no idea why he's mad at you. No clue. Like, you have no dude, idea what a stinger is. I'm uh, assuming it's a, a shank. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a homemade I, knife. I saw the hand gesture. That's so what I was going off. I'm like, <laughs> unless he was swinging his wiener at you. I'm, like, ah, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I would have ran too. <laughs> right. Either way, I'm running. <laughs> so, um, so coming to find out, this dude had been getting dog walked by everybody. Um, he had, What's that mean? He had been getting basically bullied. Okay. Because he had uh, committed some crimes against women and children. So even though they wasn't sexual in nature, it's just one of them things. It's one of them gray areas. So people was like taking this commissary and stuff like that. And um, he ended up killing himself. Not because of me, but because. So this, he thought he'd bully you since he was getting bullied he, and you were the new he guy? Just, he just snapped out one day. Hurt people, hurt so, people. So evidently, when you get locked up, you want to do a cool crime, not pick on women and children, but, you know, armed <laughs> cool robbery crime. or murder or something. But I mean, I mean, seriously, you want to do something that's cool to the other inmates, not beat up women and children. That wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. <laughs> what are you in for? I stole Hot Wheels. <laughs> something cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think you just go through general life just not hurting women or children. Right. That's a pretty good, pretty good lesson. Well, not in jail, though. You're not going to be cool. Yeah, well, yeah, you'll be cool if you don't hit, if you don't hurt women and children on the outside. It takes a little more than that, but yeah, right, right, right. It's right. a good start, not to you know ditto kids. It's a good start. Right. Yeah, that's it's kind of a life lesson, really. If anybody learns anything on one more, we all go don't diddle kids. Yeah. yeah, and you can't hide from fire, and you cannot hide from fire. Yeah, we learned that episode three. Uh oh. Yeah. So. So you're in Fort Madison, and you're 19 years old, and mm-hmm. that's that's a is that a pretty rude awakening? Or you you said it was. See, I was you. still hard headed though. Like when I first went in, I was still hard headed, and I was still constantly in and out of solitary confinement because I it was, it's just one of them things where you just don't change overnight. And my first actual day in Fort Madison, uh. I remember the, the we it's called a cert team that comes to pick us up and they're like armed guards. Uh, cert stand for correctional emergency response team, so they're kind of like the SWAT team of prison. And so um, they came pick me up, and on the way into there, they was like they was like you're gonna have a hard time unless you change your attitude. And I was like I didn't even know I had an attitude, but they could just see it on my face. So when we first go there, and we go to cell block three nineteen. And, uh, of course, I'm handcuffed and shackled. And as I'm going in, they're bringing people out for the yard because you get an hour yard while you're in solitary confinement. And there was these two dudes standing there. And he was like, what's your name, little bro? And you hear the stories. So I'm like, motherfucker, you don't know me. Just start snapping out, right? Yep. And the guards, they're laughing. And the and the, the two dudes just looked at each other like, what the hell? Come to find out these two dudes, one of them name was Ali. He was a monster. He was a beast. The other dude's name was Hindu. At that time, he was the most dangerous person in the whole system. That you're yelling at. And I was, yeah, I was yelling at them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give you a yearbook? For <laughs> yeah, a little handbook. Don't, don't mess with him. Luckily, luckily, Hindu, Hindu understood. So he started laughing. So, uh... So Ali started laughing. By this time, Ali uh, Hindu had already killed a, um, a, a, 
a prison worker and just all kinds of stuff. So luckily they just knew I was young and dumb and they just laughed it off. And so as they're walking me to my cell, the, the guards are still laughing. It was like, they was like, man, you're not going to make it. And I was sitting there like, I'm tough, not knowing that I just, <laughs> yeah. I just poked the biggest dog in the here. The biggest two bears. In- <laughs> but like I said, luckily, uh, luckily they understood. So did know? you get to know those guys then? Yeah, I did. Again, um, Ali, he ended up dying there. And when he died, they shut down the whole prison because he has such an impact. He was just such a lovable dude. Like, even though he was dangerous and you knew he was dangerous, he also was so smart. And he taught me, he taught me like, even though he was super big, he was, he was a monster. He was still a vegetarian. And so when we worked in the kitchen, I worked in the kitchen with him and he was cleaning the chicken that because he was a cook and i'm like why are you cleaning the chicken you ain't even gonna eat it he was like well he was a muslim he's like well one of my brothers might get this piece of chicken so he took his time to make sure all of it was clean because he didn't it's just just that was his mentality he was a good bro and it was like that with uh with hindu too he was a good bro but they were just dangerous and I know that sounds no oh, they can still be good people I suppose and morals just yeah. they might have killed some people yeah <laughs> is that is that what they were in for in yeah. there for mm-hmm. okay yeah so that had to be so when you found out who those dudes were you were mouthing would uh, would that make you think like well I'm, I guess I'd be really tough now <laughs> no nah, I just not nah, just like man I just but see that wasn't the first time because even though they told they they didn't tell me who they was I had to learn later on there was this one dude um I was like, man, what you say? You know what I'm saying? And I approached him like I was going to fight him. And he put out a stinger. I was like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to kill you. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. He was like, nah, ain't no time for talking. I was like, oh. You're bringing fists to a shank fight? Exactly. He's like, right. Now you got to see where I can check my stinger out at. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how how was it? How did they get so many of those? Feel like everybody had one? Uh, they A lot of them are just homemade. You just if you find a piece of metal, piece of fiberglass, two brushes, combs, there's a lot of them just handmade. Just you could take anything and turn it into a weapon. So I was watching a documentary about some prison stuff just this last week, and they were saying the guards don't run the prisons; the prisoners do. And to a certain degree, like you know, we we'll get what we want. The higher ups, like those guys you were talking about, they can get what they want to some degree, and the guards have to respect that a little bit. Is there any truth to that? Like, um. No, not really. No, the the guards they absolutely do run a show, but they they respect they respect that that they're just visiting. They Even though they the work peace. there, they have to keep the peace because there's people there that's gonna they're gonna die there. They're gonna spend the rest of their lives. and They're gonna die there, and so the guards know and understand this. But at the same time, the guards do have the power to ship them to solitary confinement, and that's one of the that's one of the controls that they do have. And it's weird, too, because every time they have a budget crisis, they know exactly who to let out on the yard. So if if they need something to happen, they just release this person, let something happen. And then, oh, well, so you see, we need more guards, we need more security. Look what just happened. Yep. So. So they're manufacturing chaos in order to keep yeah. everything running smoothly. Yeah. Create an event that leads to more yeah. budget releases and. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So you had you had mentioned that uh, that that prison was actually the best thing that that happened. Oh to yeah, you. absolutely by far. So, so you're obviously you're in you're in Fort Madison. You're in lockup and with you know some of the most dangerous people 
that the state or the the, the country has. Uh, Not the country, the state. The state. There's <laughs> <laughs> cannibals out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got shipped over from Nebraska. Um, so I mean, so some of the most dangerous people in the state are are there. What 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 was the point that you're? It just clicked that this is a learning thing. This isn't something that uh, needs to be bad. After the guards beat me, they um. Well, actually, there's two things. There's there's two things. One of them, uh, they said that I had threatened to kill a guard. And when you're in that type of environment, the guards, it's kind of like that blue shield. You know what I'm saying? You threaten one, you threaten them all. And so they stuck me in cell block 220, which is which was long-term lockup. So I went there, and as that's basically... It's just you no sunlight. Just it's just it's horrible. You constantly hear the because the prison was made in the early nineteenth century, the eighteen hundreds. So a lot of it is still just brick and concrete with the walls and stuff like that, bars and uh, the guards. They come and hand you your food, and so they used to like spit in my food in front of me and look me dead in my eye before they handed. So I went without eating. They shut my water off. I couldn't flush the toilet, nothing like that. And um, every time they make rounds, a bang on my door, just you know, what I'm saying just to just to mess yeah. with me. And um, and they were always like, uh, cause I was in F three. They was like, pop F three, and if you're not handcuffed and shackled, there's only one reason they're coming in there. You know what I mean? So I used to put shampoo in front of the doors, just try to give me an edge. So if they try to rush in there, at least they'd be slipping aside. And even though I knew I wasn't going to win, but it just gave me a little peace of mind. That was a regular occurrence? This was after they thought that I had threatened a guard. I didn't, but, yep. you know, that's all it takes. And um, so being hungry, not having water, sleep deprived, I started, like, like I had a mental breakdown, so I was hearing things, I was seeing things, and um, it was just, it was a bad experience, and um, that was that was just a real bad experience. The second one is I was once again cell block two twenty. This is another time. I'm trying to walk up the stairs, but I guess I wasn't walking fast enough, so the guard pushed me up the stairs. Like hurry up, and so I stumbled forward. And, you know, when you fall, you cuss. I wasn't cussing at them, but in their mind, oh, this one. So they just, yeah, they drove me upstairs and they just, yeah, it was. And then finally they drug me in the cell and they just, they pushed me in there and I'm still handcuffed and shackled. And, um, and I'm laying there and I could, I could feel the blood pooling. So, of course, me be still being stupid, I'd play dead. Now the the nurses, they gotta make rounds. So when the nurses was making the rounds, they came around to my cell and they was they was like, Oh, you know what I'm saying, let me in. What happened? What let me in? They was like, No, no. It was like he's dead, he's dead. And of course I'm not moving. She's calling my name and I'm not moving just to pretend I'm dead, right? But then it it that whole thing, it clicked because if they would have killed me, then they nothing would have happened. They would have said he killed himself because they did it before. You know, yeah. There's a dude named Isaac Gathright. He used to spit on people. He ended up killing himself by stuffing his own underwears down his throat. Exactly. He spit oh, on yeah. the wrong guard. And but yep. if you look it up, it's ruled as a suicide. Right. So and I was like, man, if these dudes killed me, there's nothing I can do because I was just a piece of shit 
convict anyway. So. Were you doing any any classes, anything like that? Oh, they didn't have that there. To, to try to rehabilitate you back to society oh, they didn't have like that. that? They didn't have that there. The Fort Madison, that's not a rehabilitation no, sort of place, is it? No. That's just lock them up, throw away the key. Mm. Now, okay, I, this is the old Fort Madison. I don't know about the new Fort Madison because from what I hear, they have a tier system there now, and they do offer classes. Um, In the old Fort Madison, it was 22-hour-a-day lockdown. So in a new one, I think you have more time on the yard. I think you got like eight hours a day on the yard, and they got classes and stuff now. But in the old Fort Madison, they didn't have that. Like I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Eagle Feather, but uh, Fort Madison is just south of Burlington, where I used to do a, a radio show there. And I went to Fort Madison, and they have a mini golf course uh, right there off the the highway, but it's right next to the prison walls. And when I say prison walls, they're like, I feel I feel like they're like sixty foot tall. They got to be at least safety. solid yeah. concrete. I mean, it is just kind of an ominous uh, sort of deal because I didn't know what it was. I'm like, what is you know what's this what's this old castle here? And they're like, no, that's, it's, it's, that's what it looks like too. It's <laughs> yeah. like a, a castle with sixty foot walls. That I think they're supposed to be like uh, seven foot thick, yeah. enough for a catwalk for the guards to walk the perimeters. And they got the guard towers still made out of bricks, so yeah. it looks like a, it looks like an old castle. And it's just you, you yeah. realize what what's in there, and it's kind of it's kind of insane. Yeah, it looked. I've never seen it, but. Uh, it, it sounds miserable. <laughs> I mean, if like I said, this prison was built in the uh, early 1800s. So if you saw movies like Shawshank Redemption with yeah. the with the with I've the been bars, down the trash. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Oh, Just, not Alcatraz. I guess that wasn't Alcatraz. I was thinking of uh, The Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your prison movies right. <laughs> Sorry. Come on. Yeah, but it, four tiers, but they uh, put a floor there. But you still, it just. All bars. Yep. All you know, there's no sliding doors. There's it's just concrete and bars. Yeah. Yeah. We filled a trip to with the family out to Alcatraz and they were talking about stories back in the fifties and sixties when that was running hard and yeah, it was a pretty nasty place. Yeah, it's it's it sucks. So in your in your seventeen years uh there probably sixteen years there to Fort Madison. I got there in ninety nine and left in two thousand thirteen. That's when I went to Newton and then to Rockwell. So, did anybody ever try to break out of Fort Madison? Yeah, two people actually escaped. Really? Yeah. Did you figure out how? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did they tell did they, no. did they, okay, what, did the inmates know how? Yeah. See, what happened was, um, now, uh, they made a gaffling hook, and they threw it on the wall, and they scaled the walls. And now, here's the thing leading up to that. I remember they, when they used to work out, all they used to do was pull-ups. Just pull-ups the whole time, just pull-ups. And people laughing, like, why don't you do your legs? Why don't you do some? <laughs> no one knew, right? So, um, it's going to be the best arm day ever. <laughs> <laughs> so the the guards are telling us when they saw the footage, they said they look like ninjas. They just, <laughs> they, just they was up that wall in a heartbeat. Been doing pulls for 25 years. <laughs> it all made sense. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about, uh, you see a lot of videos of people throwing stuff over the walls in the yard? They'll, they'll go through a tennis nah, ball. Nah, them balls are too, they too, too big. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, they're too high. Those guys climbed it. Yeah, I, they trained. <laughs> <laughs> you got some, some lady standing outside trying to throw a tennis ball well, over this wall. No, they were, figure that out. They'd put uh, like crack or something in a tennis ball, and then, and then uh, somebody would hit it over the wall in the yard, and somebody would pick it up and hide it quick. I think the, a lot of the people that was in Fort Madison, had they had been there so long that they don't, they're not in touch with their families like that. Yeah. I had a couple of visits while I was there, and the visitor room was so empty. Like just every, every even during mail call, they'd just come four chairs and only have like four or five pieces of mail. 
So Fort Madison is a place where you just you just you die a premature death. Yeah. Like you're just forgotten. Mm. So you move out of Fort Madison. You said you went to, to Newton. Newton. Yeah. And then so to Rockwell. What, the, what was that transition like? Because obviously, <sighs> it you was, know, Fort Madison is one beast, and then they got you. It was a culture shock. And see, here's the thing. And it, I started in 2005 after I had my mental breakdown. I realized that I had to change. And so that's when I first de-educated myself so I can re-educate myself. Because back then, my vocabulary was so limited. It was cussing, cuz this, on crypt that, my nigga this, my nigga that. And so everything was gang related and just a part of that negative culture. And I realized I had to, to first de-educate myself. And so I started hitting the books. I started reading, educating myself and um, changed the way I talked, changed the way I walked, changed, just try to change everything about me. And it was so weird, too, because people on the yard, they um, like, OK, I had a lot of enemies before because I used to fight everybody. Yeah. And so when I came out with this new spiritual awakening, they just thought it was just, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. But um, so in my mind, I was preparing myself to get out. And then the first time I got out of juvenile penitentiary, like I said, I had no job, no education, no nothing like that. So I knew when I got out this time, I'll be facing those same issues. So I wanted to prepare myself mentally. So, so when I do get out, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready. I can do it this time. I got a game plan and, you know, and I'm glad they moved me from Fort Madison to a lower minimum security because it was a culture shock. I went from being in a cell by yourself 22 hours a day to having to share a, a cell with one person. And that one person is enough to make you realize, like, man, like, I'm not ready for the world. I know it was getting good, but we got to pump the brakes here and continue with uh, the author next week here on One More and We All Go.